Hey, this is Amy Souter. I'm your host of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast and the editor of the Packers Retail Education and PMG Produce Market Guide. So we have with us today Evan Ellers, the founder of Sharing Excess based in Philadelphia. Welcome. Thanks for having me. So, yeah, I know there's some recent updates to tell, but how about you first just describe your company or your organization um, and then and then we'll we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So um, kind of a funny story how sharing excess came about. Um, but who we are, what we do uh, kind of in, in one sentence is uh, we like to say that we're solving the logistical barriers between excess and scarcity. And more specifically, what that means is we partner up with grocery stores, wholesalers and farmers. We take their surplus food and we redistribute it out to food banks and community organizations that are addressing hunger and food insecurity within communities. So we take care of all the logistics from pickup to delivery, um, all the coordination that it takes to get perfectly edible food into the hands of community members rather than the landfill. So um, I originally started the organization as a student in college with leftover meal swipes to my dining account and um, did not expect this path for my life. Uh, but here we are five years later, um, what started with meal swipes on a college campus has grown to uh, a movement now where, where we've rescued and redistributed over 25 million pounds of food and been able to feed over a million people um, just by partnering up with food businesses that have uh, really big hearts and a lot of food that they'd like to see get into the hands of community members and we're their partner to do that. Um, one of the places that we've been able to make a really good impact is at the Philadelphia Wholesale Produce Market, which is where I'm based right now. Yeah. What, did you just mention the the major milestone that you just reached? Was that... So yeah, it's it's been two years at the Philadelphia Wholesale Produce Market, and we've now surpassed over 10 million pounds of food rescued from this wholesale market. Um, we've been able to cut the organic waste by 50% in this wholesale market and been able to feed hundreds of community organizations and major food banks in the Philadelphia area. Um, it's been our shining star of an example of a partnership, and we just couldn't be prouder of our partnership with all the incredible produce vendors in the Philly wholesale market. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I think uh, I've written a story just focusing on the Philadelphia wholesale produce wholesale market about uh, how they've been doing all this waste reduction, major, major waste reduction, multi-pronged, faceted, layered efforts and this is a big part of it i think right maybe Absolutely. this is how I, we found out about you or, or before that but um also there's that whole awesome origin story is pretty it's pretty awesome to talk about but um, I yeah know a lot of us at college weren't weren't uh doing that <laughs> i and i didn't expect it for my life either i, I was pretty much volunteering um but uh, just, yeah, sometimes when you have uh, an opportunity calling your name, you answer and it ends up becoming your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so can you explain, and this is a big one, but can you explain the, this is all almost lo logistics, right? I mean, uh, can you explain somehow the logistics of Maybe one example. Uh, let's do retailer since 
that's my focus these days. Um, or produce that that a retailer was going to buy from the Philadelphia wholesale market, but then something happened or. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, whether it's a wholesaler or retailer, uh, a lot of the same logistical barriers get in the way that can make perfectly edible food that was fit for a customer no longer able to be sold and now is at jeopardy of going to waste. And to kind of zoom out and look at the problem as a whole, um, in the United States, about 40% of the food that we produce goes to waste. And that's about 120 billion pounds of food. Um, It has the potential to create about 90 billion meals, which is more than double the amount of food that you need to theoretically end food insecurity in our country. Um, Not to mention, that when this food goes to waste in landfills, it's creating CO2 and methane that accounts for about 8% of all global greenhouse gases, if you look at food waste on the global perspective. So this this food waste is not only a, a lost opportunity, an actual cost to retailers and wholesalers, um, but it's actually suffocating our planet. And it's something that really is easy for communities to wrap their heads around of, hey, Let's use this food for people who need it, right? It's not about, you know, changing the entire fossil fuel system, which might be like a really big push for humanity to do something like that. Um, But instead, this is something that we can all take charge of in communities everywhere, you know, take charge of our own food systems and say, hey, let's, let's get creative on how we can get perfectly edible food to people who need it. So some of the reasons why there might be food waste for retailers or wholesalers um, really comes down to very similar reasons. Um, first and foremost is is the perceived quality of the food. Mm-hmm. And I think as we've grown on in the United States and our, our perceived quality of food has continued to increase and increase um, to where you know consumers are expecting very particular uh, types of food, whether that be um, produce or uh, meat or bakery, right? They want things that are perfect and as round and as plump and as well shaped as possible. So the perceived quality and how we see food, even though it's not bad, can lead to a, a lot of food going to waste. Um, then, of course, you have just your logistics of transportation and timing and storage as well, where maybe you have food and it's not going bad, but you just have more product on the way and you need to make room for it. And this product is maybe turning slower. So now it's at jeopardy of going to waste just because of the nature of business and pursuing larger financial opportunities by purging your inventory. So mm. there's obviously a myriad of reasons. Sometimes it, you know, your hand is forced. This food has its biological time clock and it's going to waste or other times it's a financial thing. Hey, we need to make room. This product's not selling as well. It's still edible, but we need to make room for something else. Hey, that's a, that's a aspect to it that I haven't heard as much. So yeah, I mean, that's just the nature of business, except with, with highly perishable stuff. It means something different. Absolutely. So you do food. I mean, I know you're at the, at the wholesale market, you focus on produce, but you do other food besides produce too. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Any, any kind of food will rescue. Um, It ends up being mostly perishable food. So produce, bakery, dairy, meat. Um, But most of the time um, that's, that's the percentage. And other times we'll get 
you know, short dated items that are non-perishable, but they're approaching their best buy date. And of course, you know, I can go on a, a whole tangent about best buy dates and sell by dates and, and expiration dates. Um, that's another huge reason of food waste. Can you, oh, I know that's a whole nother tangent, but now I'm curious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can you give me a snapshot of that whole other yeah. thing? <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, the only food in the United States that is actually regulated in terms of its expiration dates is really just baby food, right? That's regulated by by the FDA, by the USDA to say, hey, this has you know very scientific, very specific expiration dates. But all other food is really left up to the manufacturer's best guess. And of course, there is science that goes into that thought, or there is a lot of thought process that goes into those expiration dates, but it's not always based on the quality of food. Sometimes it's just to protect the taste of the food or the freshness of the food um, or or a myriad of other reasons to protect liability, even though the food is perfectly edible. You know, businesses want to limit their liability as much as possible where they don't want it to get even close to when the food is expiring because, God forbid, someone were to get sick when it's on the line. Um, they want to make room for that in their expiration dates. So um, whether it's canned food or box food or um, prepared items that have, you know, a, a sticker date on it, that's yeah. just a few days or a few weeks. Bags um, of baby carrots, baby cut carrots or exactly like with all the packaged produce, there's there's those dates a lot. Yes. And and the, the biggest thing to know is non-standardized and it's it's padded for liability. Padded, that's the word. Yeah. Kind yes. of liability. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, but what a lot of food businesses, um, you know, are not super uh, clear on is the fact that there is federal protections for food donations, that there's something called the Good Samaritan Act that protects food businesses and nonprofits from any legal or civil liability related to donating food. And this is something that's been in practice since the Clinton administration. It allows any food business to be able to donate food and not have any risk of, of civil or legal liability. Um, but to be fair, you can still be um, pursued as, as an entity, right? If, if um, someone, God forbid, were to get sick, wants to try and sue a company, right? That's that's different than civil or legal liability. Um, that, that comes down to something different. So there is still stigma associated with donating food, and especially when there's uh, when there's dates that are associated with the product. Okay, Wait, you said there's one kind of uh, lawsuit that could still happen, even though two kinds. So, couldn't? If you think about it, um, you can you can sue a company or an entity for almost any reason, right? So that's that's the only real reason why it would be something that's that's left up to the courts uh, the court's interpretation um, rather than the actual um, the actual like law itself saying that hey there you are protected as a company from any laws that are associated with this. So um, so yeah of course you know in, in anything that you do there's a there's a, a liability of, of just like that um, you know, an ability to be brought up in terms of like a lawsuit. Oh, um, yeah, I guess any of us could be sued anytime yes. for anything. Exactly. Yes. But and, and that and that's me. where, you know, food gets kind of unfairly looped in there. Right. But if you consider any any driving company, any company that does anything can be sued for anything. Right. So, um, I, you know, it, it's unfair that the food gets looped into that same category. OK, but with the point we want to you wanted to make is that there is a good Samaritan law and 
you're there are a lot more protections than maybe some companies think. Absolutely. And don't just throw it away because you're worried about getting sued. Absolutely. Or hurting someone. Yes. And and it's also um, you know good to know that there have never been any cases that have come up against the Good Samaritan Act or any major lawsuits associated with this. So um, it's it is really a fear that is is staying mainly within the you know the mind rather than reality but um understood understandable when a, a, a company's uh reputation is is at risk yeah, yeah. like having really really clear practices and standards is super important okay okay well i had to know when you're saying that. <laughs> uh so the logistics as far as once you the reasons that uh that you get the food, um, then how do you connect with the other end? Yeah, it's a super important part of the process. Uh, we almost can't do the pickup without having a delivery lined up. Um, so that comes from looking at a myriad of organizations that are involved in the community. These are food banks, shelters, meal sites, schools, apartment buildings uh, for, for seniors, uh, assisted living facilities, healthcare organizations, any organization that has to do with people, we can work with them to get food to their to their population that they're serving. And um, since we have our own vehicles and since we, we use our logistics to pick up the food, we're also delivering it to those groups. And I forgot, are you a business or a 5013C? Yeah, so we are nonprofit 501c3. Yep. Okay, I thought so. Yeah, so organization rather than company. Exactly. Even though we operate like a business, we um, we very much so have our our mission at the core of everything that we do. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's the whole reason you started it. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um. So. Yeah. How do how would a retailer or any of those organizations, people that organization where people eat and, and what, and would be interested, what would they do? And this is, you're broadening. I know when we ran into each other at that sustainable produce summit at California, one of the Packer PMG's conferences, you were saying you were interested in California, West coast, you know, end users. And I think you've, you've gotten some, right? Or. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we, we partnered with food businesses in 20 different States now. um, And we're able to distribute food locally where we pick it up. So if we pick it up in uh, you know state like California or Louisiana or Texas, the food is going locally to a food bank that's close by. So um, we've created these really great partnerships with, really large logistics companies that are able to pick, be reactive and pick up and deliver um, and where they're kind of like philanthropic plug-in, right? Their organization that they work with to help to make a difference in this world. And we know where there's excess and where there's scarcity and we're able to work with them to connect the dots and not necessarily have to buy a truck in every single state that we rescue and redistribute food in, um, but rather just understand, okay, this is where there's a point of excess and there's where a point of scarcity and be able to connect the two. Um, but we have started to expand out on the East Coast uh, very in a very focused way. 
Um, we have partnerships uh, across Maryland and Virginia, Delaware, um, obviously Pennsylvania, where we first started, and now uh, most recently even in New York. Mm, what part in New York? So um, we'll be working primarily in the Bronx and Manhattan. Um, so uh, we have really, really great relationships with large produce vendors in the Bronx, in Hunts Point. Hunts Point. Yeah, my neighborhood. Well, almost. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so same way that we've been able to uh, create a really efficient process for rescuing food in Philadelphia, um, we're hoping to be able to do the same thing there and help to uh, not only support communities and organizations, but all these incredible food banks that have been picking up from Hunts Point for years and have already such a robust logistics network. And now we're able to help to capture anything else that is that slips through the cracks, right? Any food that needs that actual, actual like manual labor to go through and sort through and get that food um, prepared in a way where it's easy to pick up or be delivered to local groups. Oh yeah, because I know they already work with like Feeding Westchester and um, I forget some of the others. Absolutely. Uh, a few others. Yes. And there's, there's any harvest or something. Yeah. Maybe just bread or, but uh, some of the best, some of the best food banks and hunger relief organizations in the country exist in New York. And there's so, so much food in New York and six of it can, can be immense. And so for us to be able to be a partner to help even more is, is a dream of ours. Um, we, we really like to come in where there is a, a large, a, a large network of food and there needs to be some support to be able to capture even more of it. So, yeah, I would think with all the organizations and, uh, things already happening in New York city, there wouldn't be any, any room or need for you, but you're saying there's still even with everything that Hunts Point and New York City already has, they can still use your help. And there's still ways for sharing access to to do something. Yes. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Can you say that again? <laughs> uh, my thought was when you said you're you're starting to partner and, and participate in, in what you do in New York City area, my first thought was that like there's actually they already have so many organizations and things i'm surprised that that there's a space or room or a need but there's there is is what you're saying yeah there's absolutely there's more work to be done in every community in every city and our goal is to be able to support all of the really awesome work that's already happening and it's even better when there are great groups and great food banks to be able to distribute food too because we don't have really that robust network to distribute out. We really rely on those partners. So um, if we can help in those areas where it's, you know, a daily activity, there needs to be, you know, pickups every moment of the day. And there needs to be sorting that's going, that's that's happening on site and waste management. It's all mm -hmm. of those like extra little factors that would require an enormous amount of labor and work on a food bank's end that we really want to help to solve on our end so that food banks can not only continue doing the work that they're doing um, with any donations that they are currently receiving, um, but also be able to focus any of those extra funds and labor on the dis distribution of food to organizations and individuals that need it and play that really supportive role of helping to automate the sourcing as much as possible on their end. What's the percentage of where it goes? Is it mostly food banks? Or is it just all over the place of types of organizations that are? 
Yeah, I it you know in terms of specific breakdowns, I'd say like roughly fifty to sixty percent of the food that we rescue goes directly to food banks, um, and then the remaining food will go directly to smaller organizations that are either represented by food banks or are operating independently. And we can go and distribute food directly to them. Um, so making making a uh, sort of distinction between which organizations are part of those networks versus which organizations are more independent is super helpful for us to know how we can make the greatest impact possible. Um, prioritizing the, the groups that have had these like longstanding relationships for decades, which food banks are really great at. Um, versus new ideas or new organizations that maybe are not linked in with a, a food bank network, but are still doing great work in the community. And we can either bring them into a food bank's network or just deliver to them separately. Okay. And how many are in your team that you work with now? Um, so we have we have uh, 27 employees now and um, 14 of us are full-time, um, 13 are part-time. So um, it's a it's a mix of folks who are doing incredible work, but a lot of us are um, based in the Philadelphia area. And now we're expanding out our, our teams uh, in other places, whether they're third party um, uh, drivers or um, actual like new operations that we'd be starting. Um, the team is definitely expanding more and more every year. It amazes me to think that we just started with a few people just a few years ago. So what do you want the industry to like, what would be helpful to you think to our listeners and, and readers and our audience um, of produce suppliers and everyone in between to the end uh, retailer? Um, honestly, just to know that we're out there as a, as a resource and as a support to be able to rescue food and, and get that to organizations in their area. Um, we, we are really reactive and agile and looking for more partners that have um, a, a deep desire to support their communities and also are, are doing a lot of business and may have a lot of excess as a result of that. Um, we want to marry those, those two um, aspects into something that can result in a really positive impact for local communities um, and also a positive impact for a business's bottom line where we're able to be this support that not only is making impact but also to reduce costs and get as much benefit back in the form of tax credits as possible. So yeah, there's federal uh, credits and as well as state tax credits where um, a, a business really can actually recoup value for their donations, where it's not just something that is, okay, here's here's a donation out of the goodness of my heart, but this is also um, something that can come back and be a, a financial benefit as well. So um, depending on, on the federal state taxes uh, or, or the federal taxes or the state taxes, um, there could be a lot of value that can be recouped from food donations as well. Great. So what could someone... Uh entity do next if they're curious to know more yeah um so any anybody that's interested in partnering with us and, and working with us we recommend they just reach out um on our website which is just sharingaccess.com we have a tab that says get involved and you click on food businesses and then boom right there and um and that'll lead you to a form where you just give your information and we'll be reaching out within 24 hours <laughs>